pay, bill pay, you a bad one. No shame in your game, yeah, you a bad one. That's a trick in the mirror like you a bad one. You a bad one, you a bad one. I could do bad all by myself. Divine Chaos Podcast, powered by the Badass Bootcamp and your Badass Tribe. I'm Hala Marak, your host. Divine Chaos, the podcast. I'm Hala Marak, and we're back with another episode where we unpeel the layers and get into the real. Tonight, I have a very special guest, a few, matter of fact, some really powerful women from different walks of life, different parts of society, and different industries. And we just want to get into what makes them all so similar and all the real things that we seriously go through no matter where and what we are just because we're women. I agree. Okay. (laughs) I have Selma. She is a fabulous psychologist. I met her about three years ago. Three years ago. On a boat. On a boat. (laughs) Literally on a boat. Crazy story. (laughs) But imagine a bunch of girls on a boat. Um, Stranded. Um, And we really got into um, enough of a conversation for me to realize that this might be exactly what I need when I go look for a psychologist. I, I, I always understood the importance of psychology mm-hmm. and I always am, like understood the importance of therapy. I just always thought it had to, it's like dating. Right. You have to find the right person, somebody who understands you, someone who understands, you know, how you grew up and where you came from mm-hmm. and why you're so fucked up. <laughs> but it is true though. It is true. You're not lying. It is true. I mean, in order for, you know, the therapeutic relationship to grow and to be successful, you have to be comfortable with your therapist. You have yes. to be able to sit in front of your therapist and say, hey, I messed up. Or like, you know, hey, I did this and I'm not proud of it, you know, without feeling judgment, being super transparent, super honest. So kind of in a way it is like you're dating. Yeah. It's just you're not dating. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's honestly something that people have been coming out of their comfort zone to do. A lot of cultures don't even condone this, you know, therapy being Mm -hmm. this as as a, a normal thing. They're just like, oh, you're, you're, you're not crazy. You don't need it, you know? Oh my God, that word crazy. Yeah. That word crazy. (laughs) Let's unpack that a little bit. Why Mm -hmm. is there such a stigma around therapy as a form of self-care? Well, you know, Mental health is just one of those things that nobody likes to talk about, right? I mean, it's okay for everyone to be, you know, to to be a liar, to be a cheater, to be abusive, you know, to be, you know, whatever it is. But you just, the moment you are saying, you you come out and you're like, hey, I'm feeling anxious or like, hey, I'm feeling depressed or, you know, I don't think I'm feeling okay. That's when so much judgment pours in, you know, and media does a really great job at portraying mental health in such a negative way. I mean, if we look back in time, all the movies that, you know, circled around mental health, they're always either like in an asylum, you know, in a mental institution, or like they show the patient where the patient is just locked up, you know, and that's really not the reality, you know? So media plays a huge role in the negative, you know, stigma that circles around mental health. The lack of psychoeducation, that's literally what it is. Lack of information, lack of psychoeducation, lack of talking about it. Let me ask you this. So you just mentioned media. Obviously, I'm in media. Do you feel like media mirrors real life or does real life mirror media? Oh, that is an interesting question. Um, oh, you got me there. Um, it's perspective. It's like what came first, the mm-hmm. chicken or the egg, you know? But this <clears throat> is the thing about social media, right? It does, it does such a great job at faking or just, you know, 
everyone's highlighting like, just specific. highlighting specific positive moments. Nobody really talks about the negatives, right? Like right. I've seen situations where like, you know, I would be hanging out with people and, you know, they would go shopping for an outfit, post a picture on social media and then go and return it. <laughs> so what really is reality? <laughs> what is, you know, social media? You know, yeah. I think both worlds have just become so meshed together yeah. that nobody really knows what's real anymore. It's true. I, I can definitely say from experience that this industry entertainment as a whole is a lot of smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. in that way and in many more ways. Mm -hmm. And then we also suffer from the idea of pleasing the algorithm. You know, I'll post Absolutely. something about my work one day and be like, check out, you know, um, Chanel's new single, you know, or mm -hmm. whatever the case is. And we'll get a few likes, we'll get some love. And then I'll post a picture, you know, in a tight, you know, bondage dress. And mm -hmm. then it's like all of a sudden people come out the woodwork. Absolutely. You know, even the sponsorships <laughs> and the money. I'm like, oh, right. all of a sudden everybody loves <laughs> me like and then it encourages you to take a certain route you know right, right. um how do you f have you had any um i guess patients you would say or clients clients patients yeah, yeah i know a lot of people don't like to be called clients i mean patients but um have you had any circumstances where you had to really unpack this for someone like they're just like why am i like this and you had to kind of draw back absolutely that's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. That's literally my favorite part. Is that how it part. works? Yeah, because yeah. you start a session, you know, and I mean, the way at least I would do my sessions is, you know, the first two or three sessions, they are the intake session, right? Yeah. That's when me and the client get to know each other. Ask right. me anything. I'm mm -hmm. super transparent and I'm like that for a reason mm -hmm. because my transparency allows the client to say, hey, she's a real person. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not just this person that's on the chair saying, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't want my clients to feel like I'm interrogating them. So yeah. the first two to three sessions, intake sessions. And I say it to my clients. So you're I'm getting to know book. each other in Absolutely. A sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ask me whatever you want. I'm, you know, here for all the questions. Of course, with some boundaries. Absolutely. But after that, you know, we look at the presenting problem. And then my favorite part is, you know, going back in time. Yeah. I start from the childhood and I work my way up. You know, I look at the, you know, the client's childhood, the client's relationship with their parents, their siblings, um, the client's relationship with the world, with their, you know, social interactions. But most importantly, I look at the client's relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of us lack, mm -hmm. that sense of self-understanding, that sense of mindfulness, that sense of identity. Who are we? Yeah. So that is the process that I actually use for, for my therapy sessions. And it's pretty successful. I'm not going to lie. So who does that for the therapist, right? So let's <laughs> let's do that right now. Let's, let's just do a brief therapy session, right? right? I'm not a therapist, but I am a good friend. And I think Absolutely. at the end of the day, you know, if you can't be open with your friends and millions of people, then who can you be um, open with, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, your upbringing, you as a Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. Before, you know, your professional life, there was you and figuring yourself out. Right. Um, what made you kind of like, Starting from there, tell me what made you become a therapist? Funny story, I actually applied to school to be an interior designer. Mm. I wanted to go to FIT. I got into FIT, but you know, it just, I something messed up with the paperwork, so I ended up going to John Jay. But prior to that, um, you know, I grew up in a Muslim household, very, very loving family. Um, for the most part, I like to say it's a very healthy family dynamic. Um, you know, I went to a private school from middle school and high school. My parents were like super, um, you know, like assertive, you know, like tutoring. Great. We had to make sure like grades were on, you know, were, were on point. I always had extracurricular activities. I had such high expectations that were put on me, which I don't mind. But at the same time, you know, I struggled with a lot of anxiety growing up. 
Because you of know, that? Or? Not even because mm. of that. I was always struggling with anxiety and I had no idea that what I was feeling was anxiety. Yeah. You know, I had no nails. I was always biting my nails. My stomach was always hurting me. You know, I was just constantly like, you know, just what is this feeling that I'm feeling? And yeah. again, the lack of psychoeducation. Yeah. You know, I so. I relate to that too because I feel like nowadays I'm addressing, you know, my anxiety mm-hmm. and, you know, just the feelings that I'm feeling and giving them names. But Absolutely. I was definitely one of those people that was just like, everybody has anxiety. Everybody right. has depression. You know, but figure it out. But everybody does like, have anxiety. No, though. it's true. Everybody yeah. does have anxiety. And that's, I think, addressing that makes Or at least addressing topic. what, like, it stems from, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think for me, I never really understood what my anxiety was, actually, until I got to grad school, which is so surprising because I studied forensic psychology in undergrad. And, you know, the human mind always amazed me. I was always intrigued with a schizophrenic brain. Mm -hmm. I think that to me was just always so interesting. And like, I would always like Google like a brain and like, you know, what parts were affected when someone was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, You know, I did under, I did undergrad, I did the two majors, you know, and then I went to grad school and that's when I really started to put the pieces of the puzzle together of, oh my God, I have anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, for the past, what, 15, 15, 16, 17 years, I was just dealing with it. But was I dealing with it though? I wasn't. Yeah, you're just letting it pass. I was just like, hey, my stomach hurts me, you know, or like, hey, I just don't really feel good or I don't really feel like going out. And with time, once I was able to put a label on it, I was like, ah, that makes sense. That's what I have. Yeah. One, another thing that resonated with me is I am a Muslim woman as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've made our own choices in life. And, you know, but my upgrade, uh, my upbringing has been very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, um, till this day, my mom has a say so <laughs> in what I wear and what I do and, you know, all of that. And um, I, I, it's interesting to me because in the household, I had no issues. You know, mm-hmm. I was like the star child and, right. you know, all of that. And, you know, they always encouraged me to have a voice, which is mm-hmm. something, honestly, in our culture that isn't told to it's women. It's so you know, rare It's to actually find. shunned and, you know, mm-hmm. quiet down and, you know, uh, save that for, you know, inside. Right. What happens in the house stays, stays in, the house in the house and mm-hmm. all of that. So um, what I did find trouble, and I think eventually I was just like, I'm done trying to please everybody, mm-hmm. is the outside world. Like, you know, my Muslim friend's parents would judge me and meanwhile their kid mm-hmm. is like... We're doing everything behind their back. Wearing this, <laughs> yes, wearing the scarf and then, yeah, like doing coke or whatever in the right. bathroom. Or, right. you know, it's just like craziness. And I would just really sit there like, if only they, they knew, knew, you know, or if only <laughs> our fi- parents' generation was mm-hmm. able to dig as deep as we are today. Right. You know, a lot of us probably wouldn't have these issues. <laughs> generational ignorance, generational trauma being passed down from one generation to another. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, general, we're also breaking generational curses today. And that's mm-hmm. a responsibility that I hold deep in my heart. Like mm-hmm. every move that I do. Yes, it's all fun and games. Yes, we have a great time, but that's always in the back of my head. Like, you're doing this for more than just you. Absolutely. You know, like, you're speaking up because there's hundreds of girls Mm -hmm. that don't have a voice. You're doing whatever you want in public because people have to see that you can do this. Absolutely. You know, and I'm I'm appreciative of the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the lane that I've created, but in the sense, it's like, I... I it all me paying attention to what I have to do for the people also draws back from right. my inner work. Absolutely, you know what I Absolutely. mean. Absolutely. So I'm just glad that we're actually having this conversation today, and you know, just when people do watch this, I really hope that 
something sits with them where it's just like, okay, let me stop worrying about what the outside world is saying mm-hmm. about women, about Muslim women, about mm-hmm. what I'm doing and um, really dig deep and see what it, what it is that why I'm doing it. <laughs> like, but it takes a lot of effort, right? Yeah. Like in order for you to actually dig deep, like you need patience. There's going to be yeah. times where you're going to get so angry with yourself. You yeah. know, like I remember once, when, you know, a few weeks ago, you had asked me like, what is your self journey? You know? Yeah. And for me, that was a question that it took me a second to just think about it and be like, wow, like that is a really deep question. And yeah. You know, for me, my self journey was at 25 years old. You know, mm. I that's when I started to like put a break on things and like really try to figure out who was who I who I was. Mm. You know, and in order for me to do that, I disconnected from the world. I mm-hmm. got off of social media. You know, I stayed away from my friends. I love you guys, but I felt like I needed that time to just like take a few steps back and like really figure out who I was. Yeah, like what thoughts are even mine? We consume so exactly. many thoughts. Like- and I stripped myself from every single title that was ever put on me because this is the thing. Those titles that are put on you subconsciously impact you. Yeah. Right. And they slowly start to become your identity. And for me, I feel like my identity was just like lost in like space or whatever you want to call it because I was just constantly meeting everyone's expectations but where was my expectations Mm -hmm. right like who was i my my anxiety was so bad that i wasn't even able to say no Mm -hmm. you know and i felt like a hypocrite because i was like here i was telling my clients like you have to say no let's come up with different ways that you can say no but then i was on the other side of the chair like wow i have so much anxiety like i can't even say no Mm -hmm. or i can't even say hey Sal wants this, mm-hmm. or like Sal doesn't like this. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just. I love that you have a unisex name right now. Like, I'm like, yes, oh, yeah. Sal. I tell all my clients, <laughs> call me Sal. But then that's literally part of the therapeutic trans, yeah. you know, transparency, right? Like, love that. don't call me doctor. You know, don't call me Salma. Call me Sal. Right. You know, let's meet each other halfway because mm-hmm. I want my clients to feel comfortable. Of course, with the level of like professionalism and boundaries and you know the whole nine, but it makes the clients feel comfortable. Being able to say, hey, Sal, I'm having a crappy day. You know, or like, hey, Sal, my depression is like really high. What do I do? I wish we could do that with Siri. Hey, Siri. (laughs) (laughs) How do you identify when you, when when somebody, yeah. No, I love that. Okay, well, we have a few other guests in the building. It's a party in the studio today. (laughs) Um, We have Chanel Alexis. I mean, yes, Chanel Alexis is going to be performing, which I'm super excited about. You have to check her out. She's a dope artist from Jersey. And we just have, we also have Ava, who is my good friend, neighbor, Mm -hmm. and esthetician at the shop. Self-care. Yes, so now we went from the inside out. We're going to go from the outside in next, okay? So tap in. (laughs) I know you know that I know you lie. Tell me why you're wasting my time. You pay me pennies of interest on millions and up that I've given to you. I guess it's my fault falling for you. That's what you and me to believe. As much as I say I don't want you, I sit up at night and I think mistakes made on me, trial run on me. My love ain't free, made a fool out of me. Now she said that you're perfect in her captions. Wonder how it happened. I'm always a girl before the girlfriend, yeah. I'm always the one who put the time in, yeah. I'm always the one who gives you life. Never 
got it right Never got it in return It's alright And at this point I know all this story She got likes Makes you feel good that her followers like you They call you goals Boy, they don't know that I taught you your angles Your flicks were trash, boy, I made you aware Built up your swag now You bag a bitch that would never look at you So you popping tags now When you want need to, she got you She not that bitch, boy, I got you Yeah, I met that shit that shit. That was some fuck boy shit. I don't wanna talk that shit. Yeah, I meant that shit. Tell me why you did that shit. That was some fuck boy shit. I don't wanna talk that shit. Mistakes made on me. Trial run on me. My love ain't free. Made a fool out of me. Now she said that you're perfect in her captions. Wonder how it happened. I'm always a girl before the girlfriend. Yeah. I'm always the one who put the time in, yeah I'm always the one who did it right Never got it right, never got it every time It's alright And at this point I know I'm so real I'm always a cover for the girlfriend I'm always a cover for the Okay, guys, I just want to give you one more because I got a new single called Sweats and I need you to stream that right now. Yeah. 
crush it, know you wanna bust it down Buy your poke and I'll come and get it right Hit my tape and hype, boy, let it pipe Making all that noise, but ain't saying nah I'ma keep you coming right You gon' wanna come up off a couple stacks Tell me, mommy, how you get it so fast Tell up in that big body, showing off mine When I bust a wine, I can feel it from behind When I see you in your sweat, catch my breath Oh, child, oh, Lord, gotta get a grip That was a fab performance by Chanel Alexis. And now it's time to dig deep with the girls with a little game I like to play called Be Aware. It's kind of like the hot seat. But first, let's bring in Chanel Alexis. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for coming to the Badass Bootcamp, first of all. Thank you for having me. What do you think? It's your first time. How do you feel? Oh, I'm excited to be here. So here we believe in self-love, self-care, self-help, self-awareness, self-development. And that's something that a lot of artists don't put enough time in. You know, us as entrepreneurs and creatives, we have to-do lists from the ceiling to the ground. We have dreams and tunnel vision. But at the very bottom of our to-do list is self-care and thinking about ourselves. Um, we're all just so busy following a dream. Let's get into a little bit of the peaks and the pits of your journey so far. Let's get into it. Um, so... Uh, you know, I started singing at a young age. Um, my family, it kind of runs in the family. My dad would make songs for me and my brother, and that's kind of how I got trained in, you know, just singing and songwriting. I always loved performing. Um, once I got older, I'm like, I'm gonna take this serious. And I joined um, an R&B girl group. It was called Glow 96, and that was where I kind of got my epiphany, like, okay, I could do this. Yeah. Before, you know, I started going on stage, seeing people connecting with me, you know, seeing the fans run up to me after the show, like, oh my God, everybody love you. So that just kind of encouraged me to keep going. And, you know, I definitely kept developing throughout the group. Um, what made you go solo? Um, we kind of just all had our own different paths going on, and it was kind of a mutual decision, so. It was for the best. And I support the girls. We all support each other. And here I am, Chanel. <laughs> so let's talk about growth. So what are some things that you would tell young Chanel? Hmm, I would tell young Chanel to stop caring what people have to say. You know, don't let people make you. You're uniquely yourself and love yourself in every way. You know, I love that song, Girlfriend. Oh, thank you. It's one of my favorites by you. It's actually the song that I got introduced to you by and I just love the whole idea of like you know it happens to all of us you know what I mean whether we like to admit it or not it's like whether it's an opportunity or a relationship it's like sometimes you get passed up even if you were the best person for the job yeah. and you could be doing everything right but the timing is off and then you know when you come into those moments you really got to figure out like does that situation uh, you know, do I decide my value through that situation or is do I move on and grow from it? Did you actually go through something to put this song together? Oh, girl, of course. What? 
<laughs> I've been the girl from the girlfriend too many times. That's why mm. I'm like, I have to write a song about this. We have to do this. Um, you know. Why do you feel like you always end up in that position? What conclusion did you come to? Hmm. Doing too much too fast. Because that's something I had to learn. I'm just like... You know, you can't give these boys, like, you know, wifey, yeah, you know. too much, right? Yeah, when they're not even doing, paying the wifey price, you yeah, know, so. Period. Um, I think I'm just too much of a nice person. I really like to see the bright side of things. So sometimes when a situation will be clearly in a dark space, I'm like, I see a little, a little bit of potential. light over there. Yeah. We all fall in love right. with potential. Yeah, let me, let me go for that light. And I just, I give people a chance, you know. I just like it's the right thing to do. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it don't, but. You know, I'm here better than ever, so I can't complain. Okay. All right, so I'm going to bring some of my girls through. Um, you Behind the scenes, you met Ava the Esthetician. <laughs> this is my girl for a while now. She can come through, and she's going to play this game with us. It's um, <laughs> it's powered by a hot sauce that I love called Beware. Okay. And I when I first saw it, I called it Be Aware. <laughs> and I kind of like that for the name of the game. So we're going to bring back Selma as well, the therapist. <laughs> and the house is the, the most yes. This is the most important part of the game, guys, is the hot yes. sauce. Yes. <laughs> so it's really spicy, just like this game. Okay? <laughs> so this is what's gonna happen. Um, we're gonna go through a series of questions. You guys are gonna take turns and she's gonna analyze from a therapist's perspective. Okay? Even on my day off, I'm still working. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> you're hired here at the Badass Bootcamp. <laughs> All right, let's pour it up. Go ahead, pour. <laughs> Aliens of the honors. Okay, cool. While you're at it, can you tell us a little bit about your esthetician journey and sure. how you got here? Because you always tell me about all the like, you know, the hardships and just like how there's really not that many black girls in the industry. And, you know, I just love to hear and tell that story because there's so many lanes for people and people don't even understand it because if you don't see it, then you can't be it. Exactly. Well, um, I started about 2020 through the pandemic, uh, going to school for aesthetic. I've always been great with my hands and my mom always- You gave her a little shot, I don't- <laughs> Give her more? I don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been great with my hands and my mom always told me that I should go into massaging. And I'm like, well, I kind of rather, you know, study skin before I actually took the leap into a two-year associate's degree. And it was only eight months to finish um, aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to give this a try. And then afterwards, we'll see if that's something that I'll be interested in. Have you gotten any misconceptions when people meet you and you tell them you're an esthetician? They're just like, you know, I've seen you really have to work through certain, like, you know, stereotypes, you know, but you really are amazing at your job. Like once they leave that room, they're always just like, Captivated. I'm coming back. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, definitely I have. Um, being that uh, I think the normal standard esthetician is um, probably like Caucasian or Russian or uh, maybe- Small, he was small telling me that before petite. and I was like, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess because it's, it's not, not intimidating. Exactly, and I remember my teacher telling me that because I, it was some ruckus going on in the class at one point and she had pulled me to the side and she was like, you need to be very focused. She was mm -hmm. like, because in this field that you're coming into is dominantly, you know, a different type of woman. It's not so much, you know, the Amazon tall, big, you know, woman in this field. And I may not be like the norm 
of what it mirrors to be a licensed medical esthetician, especially being black. Um, when I was in class, taking a lot of my advanced classes, after the aesthetic program, you have to take other trainings to actually be able to do different specialized advanced treatments. And um, when I was in class, I would look around and notice that I would be the only African-American woman in the class. And I felt like that was a little, you know, alarming, you know, mm -hmm. but also it made me feel very empowered. And it was, um, it made me really want to hone in and learn the technique, learn the information so that I can be able to bring it back to my community. Because I know that when I was growing up, no one really, my mom knew to cleanse ourselves and moisturize, of course, but exfoliating and actually how many technique. times per week and sun, tech, sun protecting factor, all these other things that are very important that are little things that we missed, I felt like now it's my job and my birthright to come back to my community and people that looks like me and actually be able to give them the information and the knowledge. Now, Selma, you had to do obviously a lot of schooling and training when it yes. came to become, becoming a therapist. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, someone refers you to a man. Um, do you ever feel like they think twice before setting up an appointment? Before I answer that question, I also want to chime into what she said about, you know, being the only African-American woman in her class. Like, I feel like I resonated with that so much because I was always the only hijabi, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it, it became so like consistent that I kind of made a joke out of it. of like, oh, the only hijabi, you know, and I think I earlier when I was like, you know, if you need a hijabi in your music video, like, <laughs> let me know. Um, but it took a lot of effort for me to being the only hijabi in like all of my classes to like making a joke out of it and accepting it and like turning it into something so powerful. Mm -hmm. So like I definitely do like commend any female who feels that way, men or female, but like, you know, more mostly female because, you know, it really is a hard life to be a woman, like waking up every morning, hustling and like putting your footprint in this universe. It's yes. so hard, you know? So, you know, I'm so proud of you ladies for just like, you know, sticking to what you believe in and just like not letting your differences like derail you from your goals. Thank you. And I actually love that earlier on in our interview, you mentioned that you have come up with the name Sal mm -hmm. so that it kind of is like a neutral space. That's why right. that's where the question kind of came from. Right. Was it because you know, calling you Selma the hijabi therapist was hard for people to swallow in the beginning? Uh, not necessarily. I think mm -hmm. a lot of my clients do admire the fact that I am a hijabi Muslim woman that mm -hmm. is a therapist and that is super transparent and like super open-minded. I think the media does a great job at like portraying us Muslim women as just like super conservative and mm -hmm. we don't have a voice. And then, you know, you meet someone like me and there's a lot of Muslim women that, you know, are like me, you know, very well educated, very well rounded, you know, have such strong impact on the community and such strong voices. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, the media does a great job at like hiding those females and just shedding light on like the false information. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what makes me different and I think what makes me stand out is being that Muslim therapist and my clients love it. Mm -hmm. They really love it and I embrace it. You know, so I'm something I'm really proud of. <laughs> in the same vein of speaking of her as a hijabi woman, um, in the world of entertainment, mm -hmm. it's almost like we're pushed towards get your body done, be oh, super mm -hmm. open, like, oh, you know, sex sells. <laughs> we hear that all the time. Have you ever been influenced in that space? Like, has anyone ever given you that type of advice? Like, you know, you would definitely make it if you got a BBL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been offered a few BBLs by the rich guys at the club. <laughs> but, um, you know, you gotta love yourself. That's one thing I noticed. When you love yourself, people can feel that and they love mm -hmm. you even more for that. So that's what I, I try to keep focused on that. 
All right, well, let's get into these questions. <laughs> let's really dig one more layer deep. All right, so I'm going to ask the question. You guys can answer one at a time, and then Selma do the honors of breaking the answers down. Fair enough. First question. <laughs> we'll start easy. Name three foods you would never eat. Never? Hmm. Hmm. I would never eat chicken feet. <laughs> I would never eat I don't like fish I know that sounds crazy but I'm never eating that again <laughs> um, and I would never eat jello mm -mm, not for me I don't know when you said fish I just remembered how you called me a fish one time I was like what do you mean <laughs> like what's a fish okay at what age do you think people can fall in love? Oh, sorry, you gotta break it down. Is there anything about food that um, resonates with you? Not necessarily. I think, you know, everyone has their wants and their needs and their likes versus their dislikes. It sounds like she's confident in her dislikes. <laughs> yes. You know, from like a clinical perspective. Yes. <laughs> All right, Ava, ready? Yes. At what age do you think people should fall in love or can fall in love? Um, honestly? Probably after development, self-development, mm -hmm. you know, after you've really found out who you are and what love mirrors and coming to, well, for me, it will be coming to God. So he gives you identity and show you how to love someone else because that's a, that's not an easy task. So. Amen. Selma, thoughts? Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, it's literally all about your self-love and, you know, having a really strong sense of identity and just knowing who you are as a person before entering a relationship because I feel like oftentimes and you guys hear that you know I'm sure everyone hears it a lot of like oh this person is my other half yeah. you know granted that is true to a certain extent but I don't agree that I'm not, you should wait on another person to complete you I think everyone should make efforts to complete themselves before entering a relationship because that's when it becomes healthy right I don't think anyone Concur. can be your happiness <laughs> that's right <laughs> All right, Chanel, if you could change one thing about your appearance, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I love myself, so does that mean I have bomb. to take the um, You can. I'm going to take it because I'm going to change it. Okay. I love it. <laughs> oh. Ew. How is it? You're the first one to take one. Should we get some water? Yes, definitely water. <laughs> Is it spicy? Oh my God! Bread, <laughs> milk, anybody? Something. It's good for you to All right, Hattie. Okay, so we we didn't answer that one. So Ava, what scares you the most, and why? What scares me the most, and why? Water. The unknown. Mm. And the reason why I say the unknown is because. I can't predict or I can't control what is actually going on. And me personally, I like to have strategy. Ever since I was very young, um, I really didn't have like big family support. So I go off of strategy, what I think is best for me, the ability of, to what I'm So be going, calculated. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But we really can't calculate everything. You know, the future is unknown. But... You, you can't calculate everything, but just about, you can kind of like, calculate risks. you can write it down and manifest it and it, it comes into fruition because I my whole life, everything I've ever desired, wanted has come to life. Brilliant. So 
I believe it's. You can bring it in. <laughs> I, I I believe the thing is, um, not being educated as well scares me. That's mm. a, that's a big thing for me. And no, since I've moved to New York and the things that I've learned and the experiences and the people, even being around the chaos um, podcast, it's just it's amazing because you're actually able to learn and see different things. So, yes. Analysis. Um, I agree with the calculation part, but just to a certain extent, because what happens if, you know, things fall out of order or your calculations or your plan just falls out of place? Can I answer that? Sure. Um, that it happens. And I believe that there's a parachute to always come and pick us up. Mm -hmm. We don't know it. It's like something that we are blessed with Mm -hmm. and it comes, um, at the craziest times, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I definitely have experienced that in my own life Mm -hmm. where I didn't know what I would do, where I would go, or how I would do it. And when you become in that moment and you're just there, things happen and it's radical. Mm -hmm. I think it's also a matter of just accepting that not everything is gonna go according to plan and it's okay if the plan doesn't fall through, through, you know? That just means, you know, room for another plan, you know? It's a pivot. Because we're expendable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I always feel like you're in the right place at the right time, whether you know it or not. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Chanel. How you feeling? You anything good? Anything but the hostile. <laughs> well, she no, she's like, I should have said anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, what would you be most likely to want to lie about? Like, what would make you lie and why? Ooh, make me lie? I don't like to lie, you know. I love God. I try to follow his word. But if I had to lie about something, um Like what was one time you're just like, all right, I'm not gonna sell them this was, you know. She got all the good answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep that to myself, actually. I'm going Another like, hot oh, oh, You're brave. <laughs> you are brave. Uh, I'm not encouraging lies on anybody. Okay. <laughs> I like that. You want to answer it? Mm-hmm. You said you want to ask all the good questions. I'm like, well, let me pass it over. Um, <laughs> ask the question again so I answer it correctly. What would you be most likely to want to lie about and why? Um, probably... I don't know, because I'm not really a big good liar. Mm, that's what I'm saying. I like to... I like to... You did this to yourself. <laughs> I have to drink the hot sauce? If you don't answer it. Okay. Because um, <laughs> in this season, I'm not really a big liar. In this season. <laughs> See, I like in that. In this season I love of my that. life, I'm not really a big liar. But if you ask me past, I have a lot of lies. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of lies and a lot of lives. A lot of lives and a lot of safe lives. <laughs> All right, I feel like we need to give you guys a break. So I'm going to give Ava the questions. Mm. And Selma, we're going to switch spots. So you guys can analyze. You can analyze. Okay. You can ask the questions. Yay. And we'll okay. answer. Oh, how fun. Okay. So, you know, we don't want to just put you guys in the hot seat. It's not Please fair. Don't. With the hot mouth. Okay. So I'm asking you guys the questions, correct? Me what and Selma. You- Okay, so mm-hmm. you'll be the first one. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes a family close? Um, just unconditional love. I think that's something that I really had to grow up and understand only your family and people that you really love can give you, whether they like it or not, whether they understand who you are or not. 
um, they have to accept you. It may take a long time. It may, you know, take trial and error. But I think unconditional love is the most important thing. Or they're not really your family. Some family isn't blood. Nice. Well said. Very well said. <laughs> okay. If someone you lo- loved was a vic- Selma. She's like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. If someone you love was very sick but cold, not afforded the medicine to get better, what would it be okay to steal the medicine? Would it be okay to steal the medicine? To steal the medicine? Um, I'm going to say no, only because I am, like, such a strong believer of, like, just stealing is bad, you know? Um, so you let them die? Listen, listen, let me read it again so you understand. <laughs> If someone you loved, uh-huh. someone very close, I'm talking, I mean, it's like the air that you breathe. And okay. you didn't, you wasn't able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Money was very low and it was very convenient for you to be then, able to. Yeah, in that case, like, yeah, if I can't afford it and like all the means are like completely out of my hands, then I guess, yeah, but that would go against like my moral beliefs, but. Gotcha, you know. gotcha. It's fine. But we you will you rules. will make it happen. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> okay. Good job. So what's the hardest thing about being a girl, even though we see you're a beautiful woman? The hardest thing about being a woman is all of I don't even want to say pressure, but basically all the stigmas that you have to break through. I think as a woman, it's like you're such a multidimensional person, but people love to look at you as a woman first. You know what I mean? But I'm a human first. I'm an intellectual. I'm a business owner. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. But if a part in my body that I was born with is what you're going to walk in and address me as, then cool, you know? But it does get deeper if you wanted to. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. What is your earliest memory? My earliest memory? Um, oh, that's a good question. Because I have that to actually have to, like, think about my earliest memory. Um, so the memory that really sticks out to me the most is I'm a daddy's girl. I love my father. Like, I am this man's heart, I hope, Um, you know, and um, we have a really, really great relationship. And I remember when I was young, um, him and I always had this thing where like when everyone would go to sleep, he would always take me out out of all my siblings and like we would like go on these adventures. And I remember one time um, he took me on the Verrazano Bridge and we got out of the car and we just like stood there and he held me in his hand. I remember I was very young. He held me in his hand. And I was just so amazed. And I remember he was saying, just don't tell your siblings that I took you out, you know? But obviously he was like in a joking way, but I felt like that was like his, like his and my way of just bonding. And I feel like over the years, we continuously carry that momentum. Like we have a great relationship, you know, him and I talk every day, like he, I'm, he's my go-to person. So yeah, that is my earliest memory that I, at least is significant enough for me. This is so much fun. I think um, we got a wrap, but I really appreciated you all coming through to Divine Chaos, the podcast, and really opening up and allowing me to get to know you guys in, on a deeper level. And it doesn't stop here. We're going to all party together after this. Um, but I <laughs> just wanted to us. give you all your flower because you're all phenomenal women in your own right. And no matter where you walk out these doors feeling like, just know in here you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 
Hello, I'm Eva from the Badass Bootcamp, your licensed medical esthetician. I just came here to close this thing out. You have one life. Live it your way.